the show. Great to be with you, Paul George. Deacon Bear Conk in studio today. Great to be with you. Thanks for listening in on the podcast or on the radio, wherever you are. Great to be back. I had some requests. They missed the show last week. Wasn't uploaded because I was on vacation. Mm-hmm. Mm. So people actually wanted to hear it. I needed a little break. Yeah. You know? Of course, you go on vacation... And even if it's just a few days, which was good, we rested, we had some fun, just kind of like just chilled. Uh, we didn't go far, like three hours away, just very simple. But you get back to all the things that you just turned off and didn't do. And they're louder now. And so this week <laughs> has just been chaotic. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I'm sorry about that, man. No, 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 don't be sorry. Uh, thanks for your empathy. Oh, I've got so much empathy. You do. Oozing empathy. Really? People I, say that about me. <laughs> a bear with empathy? Yeah, man. Is that possible? Oh, of course. Do you know Winnie the Pooh? Oh, good point. Yeah. Yeah. You know, <laughs> Winnie the Pooh could have really screwed with people's lives. <laughs> you have to explain that. Well, because you, as a kid, I watched Winnie the Pooh. Oh, and right. you're thinking, oh, bears are nice. Go hug a bear. Go hug a bear. Offer them honey. They They will just let you into their tree. Yeah. And they make good friends. <laughs> there's nothing funny about that. Yeah. If you really think about it. That's true. Bears will, as you know, you're a bear. Yeah. I have a bear spirit now because of the nickname. <laughs> it's I've owned it. You've owned it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the funny thing is for my daughter's wedding, okay, two people met you who listened to the show and they know me. Personally, so my mom mm-hmm. and my son-in-law Matt mm-hmm. met you for the first time. Okay, and they know me. They listen to the show. They like whatever because it's just me. But like you are like this, you know, character that they've never met, and so they got to meet you at the wedding. And they were both kind of starstruck. For real? Yeah, they're like that's Deacon Bear. I'm like, wow. yeah, that's Deacon Bear. That's Deacon Bear, the one and only. Yeah, I got to talk to your mom a good bit. About that, but not uh, your son-in-law. He was a bit busy. Yeah, he had a few things going on, mm-hmm. I would say. Yeah. 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 How's that going, by the way, the whole They're still thing? married. Dude. Yeah. What else can you hope for as a parent? I know. Like that two a month months later, in, yeah. yeah they're, they're still married. Yeah. God bless them. We actually grabbed dinner with them the other night, just as adults. Kind of processed the wedding, you know, because we, yeah. we've seen them, but haven't gotten to spend time with them, you know? Right. Busy summer. They went on our honeymoon, yada, yada. So... It was just like two couples just grabbing dinner, having being friends. Wow. They're living the dream, man. Living the dream. Good yeah. for you. Yeah. It's a good life. Yeah. I did pay for the dinner though. Oh wow. Yeah. So not exactly Right. But good. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Good for you. Yeah. So great to be back. Thanks for listening to the show. And as we get back, do you have a have you seen? What did you say? That is so interesting. Oh, for real though? Now, I know we've talked a lot about bears the past, like, three shows, mm-hmm. but I need everyone to bear with me, because mm. we've got one more. Really? This story is just too bizarre yeah. to not share. It's a theme. Yeah. Um, so, here's the deal. Okay. Uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of a place called China. Yeah. Big place. Yeah. Lots of folks. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's out there. Yep. East. You've never been there, though, huh? No. Okay. But well, you've I, been in the area. I've had a trip there, and I didn't go. For real? No, I sent two people to go instead of me, 
uh, just because it seemed a little bit uh, risky mm-hmm. having, you know, children, wife taken off to China. Oh, is this that um, that friend that you have that's underground evangelizing over there? Maybe. Okay, maybe so. Mm-hmm. Man, that sounds awesome. Like yeah. a special ops maybe. Catholic mission. But You know, yeah. my kids are all grown. They yep. care less if I die or not. Well, every, yeah, then I'll go. Well, everyone knows that seventy-five-year-old men uh, do well in China. Yeah, especially six-four right. white men It'll stand out. Just yeah. I blend in, <laughs> <laughs> and that's what I kept telling. I was like, "Do you understand, like, how much I would stick out in China?" Mm-hmm. You yeah, know? you would. I'm not going to blend. You would. Yeah. So anyway, so in China, uh, they have a zoo, and in this zoo, good for them. <laughs> this is. Apparently, they are dressing people up like bears. In the zoo? In the zoo, like, exhibit. Mm-hmm. And people are, call, like, noticing. And, and they're denying it. They're like, no, that's a real bear. But when you look at the footage and the pictures, it's pretty clear that that's a human in a bear suit. So it'd be like a mascot uniform? That you put on? That's a good way to put it, yeah. And so I think what's the point of doing this? That they're out of bears, apparently. Oh. So they're pretending they're out of bears, to have bears. And they're putting humans in a bear costume in cages, like in the like exhibit. Right. Hmm. Right. And, uh, you know, this is pretty hilarious. Again, if you see the footage, if you look this up. I wonder if up, the tension between, like, the U.S. and China, they're like, look, we're not exporting any bears to you. Right. We used to get our bears from Michigan. And now we're not. <laughs> Alaska used to send us bears. They've shut the borders. I mean. Well, you know how um, state-controlled media can be. So they're, the, the media is saying, you know, the zoo through the media is saying, well, that footage is not real. You know, come check it out for yourself and all this. Some are even claiming, like, no, that's a real bear who just happens to stand and act like a human. Um, But it's clearly a human. Yeah, I mean, one of the funniest clips of any movie ever. Did you ever see the old movie The Pet Detective Um, with Jim Carrey? Oh, yes. And he, like, hides out in a, a, like, a remote control rhino. Mm -hmm. It's pretty funny. That is funny. I won't give the details. No. You, in case you want to watch it. <laughs> this is PG rated. But this is way back All in George the day. Rated. I mean, they, you know, Hollywood oh, yeah. was way ahead of China. Yeah, way ahead. You know. <laughs> As always. But, As always. But, you know, it, oddly enough, and, I, and we don't talk about this scripture very often, uh, or if it's a scripture or saying, you're going to have to correct me as a deacon, but my mind just totally like went far to the right. Okay. okay, all right. And I know you're used to following me here. This is my favorite part of the show is what's he going to do with Have You Seen? Because I just take right turns or left, whatever. But they're always great. I want to follow where you're going. I was talking recently about someone who was dealing with a scandal in the church. Mm-hmm. Actually wasn't a clergy member, but a high-level administrator. Mm-hmm. Not... not in any, not in our area. So like, just don't, but the, okay. The accusations and all the documentation and whatever, but this person is in a very high spiritual leadership Mm -hmm. and it 
is weird because it's like the it's like the it's like the ideal sort of picture of like a wolf in sheep's clothing, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And it's kind of scary, yeah. Right, like it's kind of weird, and it it it's it's been yeah. You you know what I'm saying? Oh yeah. And I and I know that's crazy. Like, and in all walks of life, whether church or no, whatever, that there are people for for some reason or another, maybe in their own brokenness and sin, the sin of the world, the the enemy. There are people who are wolves in sheep's clothing. And, and and what I mean by that is there are wolves that are wolves. You're like, that's a wolf, right? Like, and you're just like, I can name it, see it, and avoid it, right? Mm-hmm. Like, there's a bear. I'm walking the other way, okay? Mm-hmm. What's more scary is a wolf that is in sheep's clothing, and you think it's a sheep. It acts like a sheep until it, it starts manipulating, right? Yeah. And then you're like, oh, no, right? That's really kind of weird and scary yeah and today's the feast of the great saint john vianney patron saint of of priests parish priests yeah um and what a what a great day to reflect on this idea of authentic shepherds now obviously we could think of clergy and with the sex abuse crisis and with doctrinal issues and all kind of the church we're living in today we could certainly say this priest that bishop that deacon whatever the reality is um, lay people aren't immune either. It's this, it's this tendency that our Lord called out many times with the Pharisees to take the spiritual goods of the church, including your position of influence or like how God's called you to impact the church, to take the spiritual goods for the church and use them for personal gain. Yep. And that's what wolves in sheep clothing do is they really, while they might believe in the gospel, they don't. Maybe they don't even realize it. Some of them do how they're using people and the church for some other end other than the salvation of and souls. And I see this in in humans and in business. Uh, it, it's crossed over. It it it's sort of part of the human fall. And in a lot of ways, you know what I've been talking about a lot lately, and it's really stemmed from like writing the book Holy Grit and what I. What I walked away with so much out of that as I researched and wrote about the saints, mm-hmm. you know, because it was really my, like, a, a, for me, it was a deeper dive into the saints than, than uh, the book because I had to spend a lot of time reading and researching, mm-hmm. right? And and so, like, my takeaway was a lot different because I'm, I'm kind of, like, was in the weeds of, like, all the all the stories, of the saints uh, and, and true stories, like reading about their lives. And my, my main takeaway and walk away was that th- they became saints not because of, they were perfect, right? Or that, that they had even some greater faith than you and I, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, <clears throat> or that they, they obviously, you know, did anything great. The, the the thing that I walked away with and that just became so evident and clear is that God, the gospel, their faith in Christ was integrated into every area of their life. Mm-hmm. Okay. Like they didn't live compartmentalized or in boxes or buckets, 
you know, wasn't faith life here and, you know, sort of like, you know, leisure life here and my hobbies here and my addictions here. Mm-hmm. Like they, they didn't, you know, my family's over here that everything was integrated into one. Like God had access to all things in their life. And that was even the hard things, right? Yeah. <clears throat> this is, this is what, what Jesus longs for, like to be a part of every area of our life. And I think we talk about, you know, wolves and sheep's clothes. There's people who have, who, who struggle with, with the integration of those things. And so maybe there's, some type of deep brokenness that they don't even know that they're living in this sort of bucket or lie in their life. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. And it's almost like they, they're te- they've they told themselves, like, what I'm doing, there's nothing wrong with it. Well, and that's why radical discipleship requires such profound self-knowledge. Like those saints you mentioned in your book, um, St. Augustine and others who had to go in serious reflection about their life, about their own heart, their own desires, where they went right, where they went wrong, to have enough self-knowledge to know how to make corrections and conversions and let God heal what's broken in them. Yeah. And the thing is, the best way to get self-knowledge is to actually ask the people who know you. Mm. Like this bear, this person pretending to be a bear, probably thinks they're doing a great job. They're like, wow, look at all these people. They have no idea I'm really human. (laughs) But the reality is people know. Um... But the thing, so we can, we can talk to the people around us that matter the most about ourselves and ask the right questions to get better self-knowledge and then become more who God's called us to be. Because we can't just put on a Christian suit and say we're Christian. We have to move like one. We have to talk like one. We have to eat like one. I'm just using a bear analogy. We have to uh, relate to other bears like one, right? Like we... We have to actually be Christian to be Christian. It's not a matter of putting on a suit or having a certain title or whatever. Right. Um, and it's much easier to appear to be one than to be one. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, look, <clears throat> when you when you get married, the only way to work, to have a good marriage that, that's going to last forever is that the reality is that the other person has access to every part of the other person's life. Mm-hmm. Everything. There's nothing hidden, right? Mm-hmm. The good, the bad, the ugly, the the passcodes to everything, right? Okay. Yeah. Total transparency, authenticity, and vulnerability. Like, there's no other way to have a relationship that is forever. Mm-hmm. Okay. More so in our relationship with the Lord is like Jesus wants, desires all access to everything that we have, our, our mind, our heart, our everything, our actions, e- even our struggles to, to, to hand over those things and, and to operate and think differently, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but behaviors don't change unless we work on them, unless we ha- have people help us, unless we give people access to that, right? Right. And so we can become our own worst enemies by isolating our behaviors and just continuing to live out, you know, the way we're living. That's why one of the greatest gifts, and it seems really hard, going back to that person you're talking about um, who's dealing with a, a particular instance of scandal with a particular person, is that we can't enable um, these wolves to keep hunting, right? There's a certain um, 
boundary that's good that our Lord set. So, for example, we went into the temple and he saw the wolves in sheep clothing there. Those who are pretending to be spiritually enlightened and helpful, let me help you get some uh, turtle doves and some mm-hmm. sheep for your sacrifices, were actually using those spiritual goods for their personal gain. Right. And our Lord set a boundary. He said, stop turning my father's place into a marketplace. It's a house of prayer. Amen. Um, that was a great gift to those money changers who maybe would have never converted yeah. unless someone came in and threw open those tables. And, and so- look, this is like, we're not like talking about like some like weird scenario. Uh, there was a wolf in sheep's clothing in Jesus's camp, mm-hmm. Judas. That's right. Okay. Now, like, was Judas born that way? Was he always that way? I have great compassion for people who struggle. I have great compassion for people whose brokenness and, and wounds and and sin have overtaken their lives in, in a way that they, they can't, they feel like they can't get out of it, right? Mm-hmm. And maybe Judas was at that point where his life was, you know, compartmentalized, basically. Like yeah. he had this desire to follow Jesus and this new way, and yet this old way of 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 not only denying Christ but betraying him and and the love for money and and power with the Jews like all these things were pulling him away and, and I know that he probably was in deep turmoil inside right mm-hmm. but the reality is that that Christ pointed out and kissed someone who was not fully who he was yep or what people thought he was yep. inside his own personal circle so to think of the betrayal that Jesus felt. And how long did Jesus know that? From all eternity, right? Like he knew what Jesus what Judas would do. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like but and how it, it right so like we've all experienced in our life betrayal, you know, mm-hmm. um people who have disappointed us, people who who we've encountered who we didn't think who they fully were. And yet I think we all can look in the mirror and be like, there's been times in my life where like, man, I've needed to like make some changes myself, you know? Totally. And the gospel often puts two contrary, like two people who are in similar situations, but with contrary outcomes to tell us there's the way of life and the way of death. Cause we're all broken. We're all sinners. We're all wounded. All of us. So the, the question is not who are the broken and who aren't. That's not the question. It's right. who's going to let Jesus heal them and who's not. Amen. And so Judas and Peter are just like that, because that same night, Jesus called out Peter and he called out Judas right. for their hypocrisy in their heart, yeah. for their wolf and sheep clothing aspects, right? Correct. Judas was not willing to let Jesus heal him. Peter was. Yeah. And that's the only difference that's between a good point. them. Yeah. So next time you see a bear, <laughs> just ask And if it, it looks human. <laughs> are you really a bear? And within that question, that bear will attack you within three seconds. So, we'll be right back. <laughs> Healthcare that works better and costs less seems like an oxymoron, right? Take a minute and check out our sponsor, Solidarity HealthShare. Members say that faith-based health sharing is a much better fit than insurance, all while costing less. Prices start at $384 a month for families. Call now to see how much you can save. 844 387 
Welcome back to the show. Good to be with you today. Whether you listen on the podcast or on KLFT Radio here in Acadiana. It's nice and cool outside. It's about 4 billion degrees. We did drop a bit. Now it's 3.5 billion. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Did you see that weatherman? There was a typo on the graphic on like the screen. It was like, hey, it was like a Texas map of Texas. Mm-hmm. And the weatherman was like, you know, 98 here, 105 here. And there was one city where uh, there was this typo and it was like 10,000 degrees or something. <laughs> and he's like, whoever lives there, you're all dead. <laughs> you're just all dead. That's something I did that not w- see. That, that would be me. I'd just be like, yeah, y'all are, y'all are dead. <laughs> y'all aren't even watching right now. You're dead to me. You're, all, you're dead to me. It's <laughs> the theme of the show. <laughs> Let's play this out for a moment. Like, think of if, like, zoos just became, like, and we could be headed in that direction because, you know, a lot of people are like, well, you can't put animals in a zoo because it's inhumane. And I'm like, yeah, it is inhumane because they're not human, right? Right. It's always going to be inhumane. Yeah. So maybe a better (laughs) word. But, you know, I I don't know. I'm not in that argument. Mm-hmm. in Washington on, on the Capitol steps, right? Yeah. But I'm just playing out the scenario. Suppose, like, like the argument wins. Like, you cannot put animals in a zoo. So we just get to the point where we just hire people to dress like animals, and then kids go to the zoo, and it's just humans <laughs> in, like, a giraffe suit, a bear suit. Well, I think lion. you're on to something with one more step, and I think it'd be successful. What? Let the kids dress up like animals. Like it'd be an animal dress-up zoo. So the kids go put on a bear costume. They could run around for a bit like a bear. That would actually do really well. (laughs) I'd want to be in the petting zoo. Just like, just pet me. (laughs) 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 How horrible is this? Yeah. But that could be where we're heading. You know, with the world, the way it's going, it, it wouldn't surprise me if in 10 years... That's what a zoo is. You know what I think a zoo will be in 10 years? A virtual reality AI created thing. I think we're on to something. Mm-hmm. Like we could be on the cutting edge of zoo. Mm-hmm. We can call it zoo you. You are the animal. You can be anything you want. That's right. You want to be a giraffe? Be a giraffe. If you identify <laughs> as a giraffe. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it could be. Zoo you. Zoo you. Or you zoo. I don't know. Something like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That would be great. Okay. Yeah, but if you could go and like they just like, hey Adam, like we're in a bind, we need you. <laughs> <laughs> what, what animal would you dress up as? Well, you see, you got me thinking because it would either be the one I'm most naturally act like, so it wouldn't be that hard. Which I'm not sure. Maybe like a. Um, you can't be a bear. Maybe a sloth. Oh, okay. You just, like lay just hang there out on a, on a branch. Yeah, that sounds e- easy enough. That sounds amazing, actually. Yeah. Yeah, or it could be the one I always wanted to be, right? Which, uh, you know, I could I could go for a bear, Deacon Bear. Why not? Yeah. I've been I've been vibing that for a bit. Mm-hmm. I couldn't be like a grizzly. No, 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 no. I mean, this whole thing kind of goes into the gospel reading this Sunday. No kidding. <clears throat> yeah, which is strange gospel reading. Like it's it's one it of the weirdest, bizarre. you know, like miracle experiences. It's the Transfiguration, right? Like Jesus goes up on the mountain. Go figure. Takes Peter, James, and his brother John, the mm-hmm. trifecta, mm-hmm. right? The inner circle of the inner circle, apparently. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? The first cardinals, you might say. First cardinals. They're 
you know, wearing red slippers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Heading up to the mountain barefooted. Oh, how things oh, have changed, boy. you know? Mm-hmm. Right? And and what? Like Jesus' face like shines, turns bright, and then appears to them Moses and Elijah. Mm-hmm. Like just appears. And Jesus is like glowing. How crazy would that be? Yeah, it's it's uh, certainly stands out in the Gospels, kind of like you would stand out in China on the streets. Yeah, I would stand out. This event certainly stands out, and we pass it over often, I think, like is like, I don't know, yeah, that happened. But not many things are in all four Gospels. And not even the Eucharist being instituted is in all four Gospels, and this is one of, one of them. Mm. I mean, the Passion is, the Resurrection is, the Transfiguration is, mm. not the birth of Jesus, that's only in two you know, so this is an important. What what gets in all four gospels shows you how important it is to the Christian community and how much they talked about it, how much they meditated mm-hmm. on it, how much they preached about it, right? Um, but I don't know. I don't. If it's not the feast of the Transfiguration, or that's not the gospel, how often do we even think about the Transfiguration? You know, right? And it's so, you know, it's really in a lot of ways a foreshadowing of the resurrection, right? Mm-hmm. But it's also you know, Jesus uh, proving or God proving that Jesus is the Son of God, Messiah, like his his divinity, right? Like it was at this point, and I don't know if there's an earlier point, but I know it was at this point that Peter James and his brother John were like, oh, okay, this guy's (laughs) really the Messiah, Mm -hmm. you know? And Jesus even tells them when they're going down, like don't tell anybody about the vision until after the resurrection, yeah, you know, like, hey, just we don't want to freak people out. We don't want to reveal too much right now because he still has work to do. You mm-hmm. know, so it's just this crazy, you know, thing that miracle that happened. You know, of course, Peter jumping in just wants to build tents on the mountain. Is like, let's just stay here. Yeah, it's intense. It's like being at the zoo. You're like, I just want to stay at the zoo, man. Yeah, I want to sloth up here. I just want to be with the animals. Yeah, like you got to go home. Yeah. Well, and, and when Peter reflected later um, in the Acts of the Apostles, he mentions the transfiguration. It's only by the power of the Holy Spirit, when the Holy Spirit came into Peter's life and with the gift of wisdom and knowledge, that he was able to understand the significance of what he saw. Because remember, like Jesus didn't, explain in every detail what happened because hmm. that wasn't the point the point right. was not the transfiguration happens then P- jesus is going to you know write three books about what it meant he didn't work that way it happened they saw it and then when the spirit came later it revealed to them the deeper truths like jesus said when he sends the advocate he will reveal to you uh the truth right and so by the power of the holy spirit peter began to see that this event uh revealed who Jesus was, like you said, as as God, as man, um, as the new king of Israel, as uh, the one who would rise again, and then it reveals to us our future resurrection, what we're going to look like. Mm. I mean, you're going to be transfigured, Paul, like Jesus on mm. the mountain. You're going to shine like the sun. I've always Can wanted you believe to it? shine. Yeah. yeah. You won't mm. need a tanning bed either. Hmm. You're just going to be glowing. Hmm. Um. But how would we know this is going to happen if Jesus didn't do it first himself? Just like the resurrection itself. How would we know we would rise from the dead if Christ did not rise from the dead? So how do we know that w- there's a future glory awaiting us that's worth every sacrifice now? That's worth every cross we have to carry now? Hmm. 
if Christ himself did not shine in his glory, in his humanity? You know, like, how would you even picture Paul in heaven without the transfiguration? Yeah. That's who you're going to be. You're going to be like Jesus in the transfiguration. That's what you're, you're waiting for, Paul. Just think how pumped they were, though. Peter, James, and John. Fired up. Look what we saw. Dude, we're friends with, like, the dude. <laughs> like, we're, we're, like, we are with God. Okay? Mm-hmm. Like, they're pumped. They're like, this is going to last forever. Yeah. That's why Peter's like, let's just build tents. You know, like, this is, we're in, and this is going to, this the glory is going to last forever, right? Mm-hmm. And yes, it will only in heaven because they come down to the mountain and, and and like you know, they had no idea that the suffering and death would come, that they would have to experience and go through that. You know, they're like, we were just at the transfiguration; it was the most amazing moment. We just won the Super Bowl. We just yeah. were at the apex of like our life with with Christ, and then now we're experiencing this great suffering. I mean, it must have been in Peter's mind as he hung upside down on a hill being crucified to death. He must have thought of the transfiguration. He must have thought of that other hill Hmm. where he wanted to just stay there. And that same Christ who was crucified himself, like he must have thought about that. And it must have strengthened him in his suffering, that that glory awaited him too. That that same Jesus awaited him. And this is the whole point of the transfiguration is to give us the courage and the faith and the certitude of who Jesus is to endure the crosses, hmm. to endure the suffering. Now, I know this is a weird scripture, right? Real gospel, but do you actually have a weird Catholic stuff? <laughs> what? That was weird. What are you talking about? You Catholics are so weird. Weird! I do have a weird Catholic stuff. Okay, you do. Today is, as we said, the memorial of this, the great St. John Vianney, patron saint of parish priests. That's or right. Of all priests. That's um, right. And uh, he did some weird stuff. Really? But one of them is not, not only him, but like it's uh, other saints have done this, but it's weird. And I think non-Catholics, when they find out about this, like it kind of freaks them out. Okay. Like, I've actually heard this. I've talked to someone who's not Catholic about this thing, and they're like, oh, no, no, not for me. Like, it kind of turned them off <laughs> a little. But it's this, that he was able to read souls. Now, Padre Pio could do this as well. Of course, Padre Pio could do every miracle. So pretty much every miracle you listed, Padre Pio did it. But um, this, he spent hours in confession, St. John Vianney, uh, sometimes 16 hours a day sometimes. Really? Hearing confessions. And uh, anyway, he had this gift of being able to read souls in confession. Hmm. And what that means is he was aware of their sins. He was aware of the state of their soul and would, from that knowledge, speak pastorally as to what needs to happen for conversion in their life. And sometimes people would forget or neglect sin, and he would mention it, like, oh, well, there was this and there was that. Um, So... Anyway, this weird Catholic thing that God gives some priests the ability to read souls in confession. Now, every once in a while you hear some report that some priest can... I don't know if you, you hear these things, but it's like, oh, this priest can do that too. Right. I don't know how true that is, because with confession it's all secret anyway. Um, but anyway, it's a weird Catholic thing. You usually hear about it either after or when they're like really old and then they die. 
Yeah. You're like, oh, Father so-and-so, he can, like, read souls, and the next thing you know, he's in their obituary. That's right. Well, and sometimes you, especially when you've heard a million confessions, like, you just kind of know. So it seems like they're reading your soul. Mm Mm-hmm. But, like, you just kind of know what people are going through. Right. You know, like, okay, well, you're probably also struggling with this and this and this. Right. Um, but in St. John Vianney's case, um, there were countless stories of him going into detail about personal struggles with sin that he couldn't have possibly known. One, uh, yeah, one instance was pretty striking. So, anyway, um, like, okay, so this, this is kind of humorous. So a guy named Francois Dorel, okay. all right? Yep. He was a, a plasterer. Mm. He, he plastered things. Yeah. I don't know if that's like a sculptor or like he plastered walls. I don't know which. Probably, yeah. The walls. Probably like sheetrock of the yeah. modern day. I don't know. Well, he visited the church during a duck hunting trip with his dog. Really? So he went into church with his dog in 1852. And uh, hmm. he was just in the church. It doesn't I, say he was in confession line I didn't even know they like duck hunted back then. Okay. Oh yeah, he's gonna kill that duck. T boy, come on. Well, you gotta you gotta serve the duck some kind of way. I don't know how they killed ducks before shotguns, but they must have. Maybe they just trapped them. Bow and arrow. Bow and arrow. That now that takes some skill. Yeah. Well, anyway, so he was just in the church, not in line for confession or anything. And Saint John Vianney walked in to go to confession to start hearing confessions, and he saw him, and he didn't know him, and he said, "It is greatly to be wished that your soul was as beautiful as your dog." Wow. <laughs> so it must have been a fine-looking dog. Yeah. But he just called him out like, so... So you got work to do. Yeah. Get in line, bud. What do you think? <laughs> I wonder if the guy went to confession. <clears throat> uh, well, we're telling the story, so I would imagine, yeah, because that's the best ending to that story. If not, it's just a sad story. <laughs> I think I've actually gone to confession in a duck blind. Nice. Yeah. Like, I've, I've gone, yeah, duck hunt with a priest before and been like, hey, while we're here, man... And I have a gun in my hand. Uh, how about, uh, you know, confession? Mm-hmm. So, just FYI. Yeah, confession can happen anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, obviously St. John Vianney loved the Holy Sacrament of Confession. And, uh, you know, in this Eucharistic Revival, Paul, I, I know when I've been preaching from the pulpit, I've... I've tried to make really clear the connection between the Eucharist and confession. Right. Because they're so connected. Yeah. Um, those are the only two sacraments we can receive as much as we want. And there's a reason. You know, the, the healing and the forgiveness and the mercy that comes in confession and the union with God that comes in communion are so uh, dependent on each other to the degree that we find the mercy of God and the love of God in confession that gives us the capacity to really be united to him in the Eucharist. And St. John Vianney knew this very well, right? Like his whole life was confession and mass and preaching. In fact, he spent so much time doing catechesis. um, You wonder when he slept, and that's the whole point. He didn't sleep much. Uh, Preaching, teaching, confession, and mass. That was his life. That's his formula for the priesthood. Um, So that's something for us to remember, I think. And uh, it's amazing how faith in the Eucharist declining matches the sacrament of reconciliation declining as well. Wow. They go together. Yeah. Wow, that's true. You know, we are in the year of the Eucharist, which is sort of this, for lack of better words, it's it's transfiguration in a lot Mm -hmm. of ways at every Mass. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
you know, we, we are on the mountain of worship. We, we see and experience the transfiguration. You know, we go through the passion, death, and resurrection at every Mass. And we see the beauty of the Eucharist being held up. Um, the source and summit, you know, as, as many would say, the teaching of the church, the source and, you know, the apet, the mountaintop of, mm-hmm. you know, worship and, and Jesus being there. And that's the, the beauty of our faith is that we, we, have, we have the transfiguration. You know, we have the Mass. We have Jesus in the Eucharist. That's a profound insight, and I never thought about this. But yeah, like when the transfiguration was, was that the glory of God present in a human nature, the glory got to shine through that nature, um, not in opposition to it, but through the human nature of Jesus in a glorified way. And the same thing happens at Mass, like the presence of God hidden in a host, and the human nature of Christ in a host is able to shine through the nature of his church by the way we worship. You know, that everything we're doing is pointing to the glory of, of who is in that host, you know, who is present to us in the Blessed Sacrament. Mm-hmm. And that's why great liturgy, <clears throat> great worship of God is so important because it, it gives glory to the one we're worshiping. And it says who he is. Um, and it is, every Mass is like a transfiguration, right? But like the glory of God um, shines forth through the way we worship him in the Blessed Sacrament. Wow. Yeah, it's great. Hmm. Yeah, we need to pray for our, all our diocesan priests, right? Like uh, St. John Vianney is the patron of mm-hmm. diocesan priests. And m- more than anything, that our our diocesan priests who don't live so much in religious community would have uh, community, so they will be exactly who God wants them to be. Like they have people who speak truth into their life, just like you and I do in our, in our marriages and in our own communities. Right. But they aren't isolated and, um, you know, uh, but they're, they're, you know, living integrated. Yeah. What's well, interesting, you know, his life, <clears throat> when he was a boy, the French revolution happened <clears throat> and tens of thousands of priests either left the priesthood were killed or exiled out of the country. So there was a priestly crisis like we couldn't imagine. I mean, 20,000, I think is the number. This is going by memory, but like 20,000 priests in the country were just gone. Again, either they were killed, uh, put in prison, exiled, or they just left the priesthood. And the opinion of the people for the priesthood went way down because of the ones that left. A lot of priests just abandoned their flock. Because they could, they wouldn't risk their life for the flock, right? And people's opinion of the priests <clears throat> went way down. And this is a country that loved priests, but their opinion went to the toilet because of that, right? Right. Well, that's when God sent Saint John Vianney as a little boy. He wanted to become a priest. He was living through this French Revolution. Um, when he became a priest, he restored the country's love of the priesthood. And the seminary started to fill up again after St. John Vianney in his life because he gave witness as to that vocation. And you could say we're in a similar moment now and that only God can save the priesthood. Only God can save that office, right? And so there's a, um, there's a need for holy priests, and God is calling them. calling. And I know many holy priests, you know, um, but the power of a holy priest is that he can restore the church's faith in the priesthood. Mm. 
whether it's a parish church or a diocese or the whole country, depending on what God wants, a holy priest can re-inspire future vocations where the vocations might go down. Um, he can reignite that. And, uh, you know, this is, this is the vocation of every priest, to be a holy priest. But it takes God's special grace, like in the life of St. John Vianney. And so, anyway, pray for your priests, that God would give them the grace to remain a holy priest, to stay uh, like St. John Vianney. Amen. Okay, let's take a quick break, and we'll be right back. Paying too much for health care and supporting services you don't believe in? Our sponsor, Solidarity HealthShare, has prices that are 60% less than the nation's average cost of health care. Join the nation's leading healthcare sharing ministry built by people of faith for people of faith, saving money through ethical and affordable health care. Call now to see how much you can save at 844-387-8533. That's Solidarity HealthShare, 844-387-8533. Welcome back to the show. Great to be with you, Paul George. Deacon Adam Conk, the bear, dressed up like a bear today. <laughs> Your beard is nice and full. I could go in a zoo. You could, kind of. You could. I would look as much like a bear as that person did on the video. <laughs> in China. Dressed in the bear suit. <laughs> You're like, hey, hey, that kind of doesn't look like a bear. <laughs> so, um, so we're recording this in a... Uh, a media conglomerate space where there's multiple radio stations actually around us yep. with their sound booths and stuff. Mm-hmm. And every time we do the show, Paul, and we do weird Catholic stuff, I don't know if people realize this, but it's it's live. So when we're we're like, what? You that's yell. That's weird. And yeah. then I yell at the end, yep. weird Catholic stuff, right? Yes, that's true. Well, it just happened to be that this time someone was walking through the hall, and I guess they thought someone was being hurt or something. I don't know. But like they they had a really concerned look on their face as to what was going on. I thought that was pretty funny. Um, I would be concerned, too, if I heard you yelling the way you yell. Well, the thing is, and I'm saying things like, you Catholics are so weird. Like... (laughs) Like to be funny, but they don't know what's going on. They don't in know. The hall. They might be thinking that you're like yelling at me, right? And then they're th- exactly, and they're like, "Isn't that a Catholic radio station?" Yeah, like that guy. He's a wolf in sheep's clothing. <laughs> that deacon bear guy. Oh boy. Yeah. Okay. So thing. this is show two fifty. Yes. By the way, two hundred fifty. I, I have a gift. Maybe shows. no. I don't. The gift, have a gift we're going to do today is we are going to do a six pack of questions. Question. Question number one. So we started uh, talking about this bear that yeah. was really a human but dressed like a bear. Yeah, of course. And then we went like to a great area that's not as lighthearted, which is like wolves in sheep clothing, yeah, which is awesome. I'm so sorry about no, that. No, that was awesome. I love the conversation. Took a dive. I love the conversation. Um, but my question would be, and I've, I've seen this in people's lives, like when they encounter real scandal in the church there's this crisis of faith that happens that they have to like figure out um, and i'm sure you've helped talk through that with a lot of people apparently working with somebody right now so what's kind of like your go-to advice for that situation when someone for the first time maybe in their life encounters 
a churchman or a church leader that's like this wolf in sheep's clothing or this this crisis of faith uh, because of that? Like, what's kind of a go-to advice and path to go down? Or even in the workplace or family. Yeah, right, uh, right. Well, if it's, if it's actually like, oh, this person is just manipulative and, like, I can't be around them, then just, like, you got to set boundaries and, like, just know that you're dealing with maybe someone who doesn't live in certain realities, right? Uh, you know, and you just have to, like, maybe set boundaries and just kind of walk away or, or whatever the case may be. If it's someone who's, you know, that maybe has done some things that are, like, illegal, dangerous, uh, crossed lines, then you have to kind of, you have to r- report that or mm-hmm. tell someone. Yeah. Know? Um. And then, you know, yeah, you got to get it out there and walk away. But, yeah, that's it's, it's kind of weird because, of like, a lot of times, like, people are all confused as well. They're like, we had no idea or this could, can't be true. So then – and then you feel like, oh, well, people think I'm – there's the issues with me, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. All right, question number two. So we talked a bit about how we might be posing as a bear or as a Christian in some ways. Like, we might not even realize – um how do we how do we know how do we get self knowledge that seems to be hard to get, right? Like how do I really know who I really am and not just who I wish I was or think I might be? Um what advice would you give to someone who's struggling with self knowledge? Like they really don't see how not bare like they are, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean I think self awareness is like at the end of the day, if you like had to choose like what is one thing I need? Like I think the best leaders, the best people, are people who are just self-aware. They 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 not only lead from their strengths, but from their weaknesses. They're open, honest about it. I think as parents, we have to lead with self-awareness. As just in any role we're we're in, so the lack of self-awareness kind of hides being transparent and authentic. And we're all we all desire to be authentic. So I guess you. In some ways, like, and you and I probably both do this at some points in the year through a retreat or prayer, is like, let me do a self-eval of myself. Like, where am I? Like, am I am I living consistently in all areas of my life? Does Jesus have access? Do people really know me? Do they see my behaviors? Are there things that I need to work on or self-correct, right? Mm-hmm. And let me ask people who, who love me, who I care about what they say, and I'm not going to get offended and so th- those things are extremely important to do. And if you don't have people in your life like that, what you end up doing is uh, not becoming self-aware and just continuing to live the same way and the same patterns you've always lived. Mm. Question number three. So you brought up um, how in Jesus's inner circle there was Judas, right? And uh, I'm curious your thoughts on this because, I mean, it seems unrealistic that we would try to live a life without Judas, like no Judases in my life. Right. I'm just gonna get rid of all of them. Right. I'm never gonna never gonna be friends with a Judas. Right. Well, first of all, that wasn't our Lord example Lord's example, but it also doesn't seem possible. So there has to be this way of like learning to live in a church that has Judas, in a family that has Judas. You know, like so how do you how do you learn to live with a Judas? That that's a great point. You know, no, no one's perfect, and you're going to have people you work with that you don't like or don't get along with, or, or, or in your, you know, extended families, or you know, whatever the case may be. And I think it's just uh, you can come to a point in your life where you're living healthy enough where you can deal with someone, and, it, and who maybe you just 
you know, you can kind of recognize that, that they are a wolf in sheep's clothing. Mm-hmm. And you can be around them, but you can still set some, like, emotional boundaries of not being friends with them, mm-hmm. you know, or not being close to them. That You can work with people who, you know, you may not see eye to eye with, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and But at the same time, like, you don't have to pretend like everything's great, <laughs> you know? Right. Like, you don't have to, like, yeah, not be transparent and honest. Mm. All right, question number four. So we talked about the uh, transfiguration, right? And I guess my my question would be, when did you have like a transfiguration moment? And that is when you actually saw the glory of God, like saw who he was Mm. for who he was. That and in such a way that it stuck with you after that, like you would think about it. And especially when times got tough, you think about that kind of moment. What was like your first... Like there's some moments you just can't unsee. Right. Right. That are just, they change your life forever. Mm-hmm. That's, that's what happened at the transfiguration. Like, you know, Peter couldn't unsee that moment, James and John, like that, that was ingrained in, it was part of their conversion. Maybe they needed it more than the others. I don't know. Like what? And we all have moments of like that in our lives that are just different because God knows what we need so that we can look back on those moments and know in our heart that God is real and true, right? Mm-hmm. And so I don't, I can't say that there was just one moment for me, but there were some specific moments of maybe being prayed with or over or in a counseling session or in a prayer or an adoration where it just felt in that moment I was on the mountain with Jesus per se, right? Mm-hmm. I, I just knew in my heart, in my mind that, the Lord is real and he's there, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, question number five. So we talk about St. John Vianney. I want to uh, give you the opportunity to give a shout out to a, a holy priest you know that maybe you don't, you haven't given many props to hmm. in the past, but like this guy's a holy priest and I just want to say that and like way to go, that a boy, holy priest. Well, I want to encourage all the priests. You know, I think a lot of times we put a lot of pressure on them to be um, superhuman. They're right. not. They're they're human and they have a vocation, you know, to, <clears throat> you know, be Christ, but they're not perfect. And, you know, the, this idea of clericalism a lot of times is put on the priest by lay people. Mm-hmm. Not so much the priest saying, I'm better than you. It's 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 a lot of times the lay people being like you, you must be you know better than me you must be have you know superpowers right right and so like we kind of create the, this place where we're like if a priest isn't perfect like we almost set them up for failure mm-hmm. instead of just being in in uh, relationship and in community with them where we're just encouraging each other priest and lay alike to like be transformers of the world and. You know, I'd say this in, in the Diocese of Lafayette, we're very fortunate. Yeah. And I don't want to just name certain priests, but like we're, we have some really good, good priests, you know. And when I travel, I have the opportunity to meet some amazing, you know, priests mm-hmm. um, that are really doing it. Sweet. All right. Question number six. Um, we talked about St. John Vianney's commitment to confession. So. Why don't we close the show with your best pitch to someone who hasn't been confession in a long time or just doesn't go regularly, bruh, who's listening right now, Hmm. but their soul needs to look as good as their dog, according to St. John Vianney. Right. So 
give your best pitch? Well, my best pitch would be, um, like, have you ever just, uh, you know, felt like in your life, like you carrying a bunch of rocks? Oh, yeah. Okay. And you're just, it just, everything felt heavy, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, it's just this idea that maybe you could use some help just taking the load off. Mm-hmm. Like, can someone take these rocks from me so I just don't feel like I'm about to, like, collapse? You know? When I think about confession, it just say, like, in general, it could be a year, 10 years, 20 years, a month. Over whatever course between one confession and the other, you walk along and, and throughout your day you pick up rocks and you put them in your pocket. And those are little hiccups, maybe sins, you know, or sins or, you know, things. And then if you go a long time, like then your, your pockets just are full of rocks and you've been walking around with weight and you don't even know it. You've just gotten so used to it, but your life is heavy. It's heavy, heavier than it should be. And confession is literally just handing Jesus those rocks saying, you take the weight of my life. You take the things that I've been picking up that I shouldn't be carrying my sin, my habits, my things. And Jesus graciously, without hesitation, takes those rocks from us. And we walk out of the confessional a lot lighter, less heavy. Hmm. And so whether it's been a day, a week, a month, 10 years, or since your first confession ever, that's the way that the Lord's going to treat you and the way you're going to feel when you walk out. Awesome. And you're like, man, bro, I got, I got boulders. Jesus is not afraid of a boulder. It's true. He's not afraid of a pebble and he's not afraid of a mountain. So like, right? Like Mm -hmm. Jesus is, you know, whatever. So don't, don't be afraid to hand them however heavy you think that rock might be. Awesome. Was that, was good that a good six pack? Yeah, that's good great. analogy. I want to go to confession. Oh, you do? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, you can confess to me right now. I just can't, like, you know, that's really true. do anything about it. Yeah, that's my go to joke when somebody asks me if deacons can hear confessions. I say, of course. I just can't do anything about it. Yeah. But I'll be happy to hear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, be happy to. <laughs> yeah. So, anyway, great show. Show 250. You know? Uh, just rocking and rolling. Um, thanks for everyone for being a part of the show. KLFT Radio here in Acadiana. Everyone listening on the radio, everyone on the podcast, feel free to share and stay cool as we. Man, I can't wait for fall. Football, Word. a little cool breeze. Sounds like a good time. Come Holy Spirit. The whole deal. The whole deal. All right. We'll be back next week. God bless. <laughs>